I love to win. How many of you guys are like that? If I'm playing a game, there's going to be a winner and loser because this whole thing today in our day and age is like everybody's a winner. If you play a game with me, somebody's going to walk away as the loser because we're playing to win. Am I the only one that feels that way? Okay, I, I, so to give you an example, we, we weren't even racing yesterday to, to win. We went to the Duchenne Dash. Uh, the Little Hercules Foundation put this on for uh, raising money and awareness for Duchenne. We were part of Team Andrews, and we got to go with Brock and Graham and run for them and raise the awareness and all this. So while we were running, I am, I am way out of shape, okay? There's, there's no winning with me. Uh, there was no going to be first place. They, they ran these people that did a 10K before we ran the 5K, but it was the same track. There was a guy that literally finished the 10K and, and lapped me four times to finish this before I finished. And then that was bad. Okay, this dude was in shape. You could tell he ran all the time. That was all right. That didn't bust my ego too bad. Uh, but then there was a mom with a stroller and two kids. And the stroller was a double stroller. She lapped me and beat me. And so... That hurt, I'll be honest, that hurt. Uh, I'm 42. When you get on up there, it gets hard to, to keep up, okay? It, it gets difficult. So then there was this dude that I, I started, I got my groove, and I, I'm running with this dude, and finally I figured out that maybe I can beat this guy. So I'd get out of breath. This is the way I run. I, I run, and then I have to stop a little bit. You guys, any of you guys run like that? You have to stop a little bit? Get your breath a little bit. Then you do you jog another ten feet, and then you have to stop and get your breath a little bit, and and it's kind of a routine like that. So finally, I, I saw this dude. I thought he's the one to beat. He is the one that's kind of neck and neck with my speed and my power. And so finally, I pulled ahead of him. I pulled my phone out, took a picture of this dude just to brag on the fact that I beat this guy. All right. So here I am t t pulling ahead of this guy, and then finally I pull ahead of him, and I am so thrilled. Oh, he looked beat too. He's got, he's got to be every, every bit of like 30, 32 years old. I can't, I'm not good at that. I don't know. So then finally I get exhausted, and he beats me by like 100 yards. So that's, it hurt, okay? It hurt really bad. I, I love to compete, I love to play games, I love to, to win, and I, I started thinking about this when it comes to life, about the fact that when we play, well not play, this is real life. And, and I started talking to the guys, you know, looking at the board game of the game of life, I said, you know, that is so much, there's so much truth to it. Where you think you come to these crossroads and you got to make a decision what you're going to do. And then all of a sudden you get that card and then you bust and it's like, you owe X amount of dollars. Like, no, I was doing so well. And, and I thought, man, how real is that to everyday life? And the whole time we're constantly examining everybody else trying to get ahead, trying to outdo, trying to outplay, trying to get ahead of them. But I want to address real life issues as we go through this. Because I want to help people, and today we're going to be addressing the comparison trap. Because I'll tell you, in life, this life, this culture, we are in a constant state of comparing ourselves to other people, constantly comparing ourselves to other people. There are moms here today that have said these words. You get on Pinterest or Instagram, you go through there and say, oh, she's so pretty. 
oh, she just had a baby and she's already fitting back into her normal clothes. And you sit there and say, it's been three years and I still can't. And all these thoughts and all this, and we're constantly evaluating our self-worth according to other people. Now, we might not agree with that, but I tell you, that's absolutely what we do all the time. If we compare from the time we were kids about how tall I am or how fast I am or how the shoes that I wear or and people make fun of us according to our differences. Oh, you're so short. You're so this. Or you're so odd. Or you think you're so smart. We get older. We do the same thing with our marriages. We do that with our kids. We measure how athletic they are compared to the other kids. And we're trying to just, well, he just had a bad game. And we're trying to build ourselves up. I saw this... Um, I don't do this a lot, so I'm not bragging whatsoever, but I was at the gym and I was on the treadmill. And I, I it's a rare, rare thing. And uh, I saw this lady in front of me that stopped and she got off and then she got on her phone. And, and I look over and she was like done for like 10, 15 minutes. I am not exaggerating. I'm not making this up. She got done and I promise you for 15 minutes she did a personal photo shoot, Okay. She was trying to get the right angle. She was turning. She got off the treadmill. She got like this. She was doing all these things. And then she's over there. You know, she's going through. She's putting filters on it. She's editing. She's putting, you know, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Then she posts that picture. I know she posts that picture. And here's that mom that is stressed out at home, just dealt with kids all day. You, you did good just to get dinner on the table. You're backed up in laundry. You're, you, you feel bad because you've not been to the gym in, in forever. And you're, you're feeling guilty and you feel depressed. You feel all that. And then you scroll across that picture. And then all these thoughts come to your mind. I'm not as good. How does she have the time? I wish I was like that. I wish I was like her. And this happens at all ages. I'm telling you, even older ladies in here will say, well, I, can't, I don't know how she's aged so well, and I bet you she had work done. And just all these things go through our life. I thought it happens even as pastors. He'll sit there and say, well, how did he get so successful? And he's so young, and he's so this, and, and he's so charismatic, and he's got this. And we, we sit there to the point where we are totally and constantly dissatisfied with life because of the comparison that we do with other people. It's a trap. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 139, verse 14. And I want to bring you through, first of all, the danger of comparison. And I, and I mean that when I say this. Some of you right now are just saying, well, that's not a thing. Let me tell you, that's a bigger thing than you'll ever dream. Constantly, we compare, we evaluate ourselves according to other people. And there's a danger. You say, why is this a big deal? We have allowed Satan to gain control in our lives through this. We really have. The more I explain this biblically, the more you'll have an understanding of this. And I, I want to, by way of introduction, number one, comparison distracts us from our creator. Now I'm going to read this verse to you, and, I, I, and at first you're going to say, I, I don't get this. So the psalmist David, he is bragging on what God has created. He's, he's evaluating himself. He's evaluating his creation, how God created him to be. In Psalm 139, verse 14, he says, I will praise thee. He said in this verse, he said, I will praise thee. I, I, I don't do this a lot, but I want you guys to say that with me. I will praise thee. I will praise thee. I, he's saying right there, I am going to take my attention 
and I'm going to look upward, and I am going to praise God. You say, why? Because he's created the earth and the moon and the suns, because he died on the crosses, he gave this. He said, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I'm going to praise you for the works in my life. I'm going to praise you for the blessings of my life. I will give you the credit. I will give you the glory. I will cast my attention on my God. I will praise you. You need to know you were intentionally created by God for the purpose and the pleasure of God. God makes no mistakes. In Revelation 4.11, you don't have to turn there, but he says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. David said this. He said, I'm going to acknowledge something about my life. I realize this. I was created by God. I was created for God. You say, how does that do uh, with the comparison? Number one, listen, comparison distracts us from our creator. I'm using these flowers as a little illustration. I thought this is a perfect visual for a day like this. You notice these are beautiful flowers. Would you guys agree with it? These are beautiful flowers. I'm going to tell you right now, these are beautiful flowers. You could not get drastically different between these. Now, they're the same thing. They're flowers. Both of these are flowers on both sides. But I want you to see how these are taller. These are more distinct in their color. These, these, are, 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 these are, the characteristics of these are all different. On this side, these are shorter. They're, they're more colorful. They're, they're a totally different dynamic than what these are over here. Now, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because I want you guys to get the visual, the mindset. Instead of people up here, I'm showing you both of these were created by God. God doesn't look at roses and say, I wish you were like those daisies. God doesn't look at the daisies and say, I wish you were more like the roses. God looks at the roses and say, you know what? I created to be roses. You are beautiful in the sight of God. You are a creation. And we praise God for what he did for what it is. It's the same thing over here. You realize that the danger that I tell you as mom or dad or teenagers or young people or college students, whoever you're at, is when you were created to be this, but you turn around and look over there and just say, well, you know what? I'd be a lot happier if I was whatever. If I had whatever. Because I tell you, David acknowledged I was created to be this, and David Gave the glory to God. Number two, here's the danger. Comparison creates discontentment. He said, I will praise thee, but you realize that when you get your attention off of God and you begin to look at others of who they are, what they have, how early they retired, what the blessings in their life or whatever, you know what the opposite of praise is? is discontentment. It robs us of our praise to God. This is a trap because Satan is the one that wants to rob us of our praise. He loves to do anything to pull our attention away from God. Hebrews 13, 5, he said, let your conversation be without covetousness. That means to desire what is not yours. Now, I know we wouldn't sit there and say that, but think about what we're doing when we're sitting there saying, I wish I was as good at whatever. I wish I was better. I wish I had. I wish, I wish, I wish. It, it, it creates this discontentment. You think about that. When God created you to be one way, discontentment is telling God that he is not good enough or he did not do a good enough job, that he is messed up. 
man, when you do this, it's dangerous. Take notice, there is a problem when you stop praising God because of you are focused on others and how God has blessed them rather than what he has done for you. Be cautious when you say, I have nothing to praise God about when you've lost sight of what he's done for you and you're completely focused on what he's done for everybody else. Comparison distracts us from our creator. Comparison creates discontentment. Number three, comparison cultivates sin. Have you ever said something? I know we say this jokingly, okay? I know we say it jokingly. But we'll say something like this. Say, oh, I hate her. So, oh, why that? Oh, she's just good at everything. Now, I know we don't mean, you know, I hate her. But in a sense, our flesh is saying something. I don't like the fact that she's good at that and I am not. We do this in ourselves. Oh, she's the best. Or, oh, here comes little Miss Perfect Mom. Or all these issues get so deep that we get jealous and envious. And you know it's sin when something bad or happens to the other person. Say, well, I'm not surprised. She thought she had it all together. I'm not surprised. She thinks she's all that. I know we're not going to, guys, we're not going to sit there and say, amen to that, brother. I do that all the time, but we do. Somebody, you know, has this big job and they're making money and they're, you know, getting to the car and all this other stuff and then they lose their job and say, well, they should have had it coming or they should have known it. Negative, jealous. Just say it, it's sin. It robs our joy because we are seeking to be something we were not meant to be. Moms work so hard, and then they end up feeling like failures at the end of the day because you feel as if you don't measure up. My question is, question is, is it that you're not measuring up to be who God created you to be, or you're not measuring up who you look at others on Facebook or Instagram? If you base your value on anything other than God, it is wrong. I want to break the trap of comparison I want you to go to the beginning of that chapter in in Psalm 139, verse 1, and the same thing will start there and show you David's heart as he begins to share before he said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, breaking the uh, trap of comparison begins with acknowledging your purpose in God. Notice his focus. Notice David's focus. And And I'm not trying to favor one of these more than the other. Taking David or you or whoever and you sit there and you acknowledge who you are. You acknowledge you came from God and God makes no mistakes. And he is intentional in what he does and all these other things. He began to say this. He, notice his focus. He said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and knoweth me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Listen to what he's saying. Thou compassest my path, my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but O Lord, but O Lo, sorry, but Lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. He said, All that I am, my direction, my purpose, my my being. He said, God, you know me. Said, God, you know what I'm made of, you know what I have, you know my potential, you know the inward part of me. He said, God, you know me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, it cannot attain unto thee. 
I cannot attain on it. His attention was upward. His praise was to God. He gets in uh, verse 13. He said, for thou hast possessed my reins. He said, you've controlled the inner man. You know the inner parts of me. That's what the reins of man is. The inner parts of me. He said, God, you know the parts that nobody else does. God knows the parts of you on the inside that nobody else sees and knows. Oftentimes, we're comparing ourselves to other people by the outward. Guys, we can fake the outward all day long. God knows the inward. God knows that mom that has that love and that passion and that faithfulness. God knows the inside of you. David said, God, you have created the inner man of me. He switches it to the outward. He says, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The outward man. You understand that this changes our attitude. All of these things, when he acknowledged that I'm made by God inside and out, you know me, you created me, your hand was upon me. That he says in the next verse, I will praise thee. Focus is on gratitude and thanks rather than discontentment. Lord, I give you the attention. I give you the praise. He says in this, for I am. You notice that, circle that in your Bible. God was giving your identity. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what people on the front of magazines does. It doesn't matter what that article scrolls up that they've airbrushed and done all those things he turns around and he says God this is me I am fearfully and wonderfully made that word fearfully is weird in this passage a lot of people say I can't fully describe it because that word fearfully is talking about to come into the fear or recognition of God of who he is because I'll tell you We will all bow in the presence of the great I am. The great I am. The Bible says that the presence of God, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, the demons at the very name of Jesus fear and tremble. But I know for me, it's not a matter of fearing like I have to approach God in fear. But it's an understanding of how great and how big my God is. But with that fear of understanding how big and how great my God is, brings an understanding of respect for who he is. You guys understand that? God is not somebody that makes mistakes. God doesn't mess up. God doesn't drop the ball. He said, I'm fearfully, I acknowledge God for being the great I am, the creator of all, the author of all, and I bow myself in recognition that my God makes no mistakes. Makes no mistakes. When he sees you, he sees you as his child. He loves you. He desires you. He designed you. You are beautiful in the sight of God. But then he noticed, he not only talked about us being created in the image of God and embracing that, but he talked about embracing the uniqueness of you. Man, this next part that he says, he says, I'm fearfully made. I'm, I'm deliberately made. But he says, I'm wonderfully made. I know we joke about that and say, man, I'm I'm wonderful because that's the way God created me. The word wonderfully means means distinguished, to put a difference, to show marvelous, to be separate or set apart, to make wonderfully. God was saying with everything that you are of all the differences, that when God created roses, he looked at them and says they are beautiful. They were designed to be beautiful and they're designed, listen to this, you are designed to be different. Designed to be different. Every mom in here, you were designed to be different. Wonderful. 
set apart for the glory of God, set apart for the glory of God. The fact that this design brings glory and joy to God and this design brings glory and joy to God and your design brings glory and joy to God. You are wonderfully made in the presence of God. You are wonderfully made. You are unique on purpose. God said, I made you special for me. Isn't it crazy how you can have two parents that will have three children and all of those children will be day and night in their uniqueness of difference from each other? And how those three children will bring you so much joy and laughter with their uniqueness of one that is smarter, one that is more creative, one that is more humorous. And you say, which one do you like more? And God says, no, I like each one of them differently. I like them equally, but I like them in the uniqueness that I made them. Embrace the uniqueness of you. Here's the thing. You are different on purpose. God planned you out to be different. I, I, I thought about this. You think about what God did in his creation. I think the, the greatness of God and why people would be any different than this. When God created the earth and God created the atmosphere and God created the plants and the animals and all those other things. And last week, if you guys were here, we opened up with that huge uh, video. I don't know. They were, look, watch this video. I, I asked Richard if he could play some of this. This is just clips of God's creation. Notice the difference in the shapes, the sizes, the colors, the land, the seas, the deserts, the dry places, the rainforests, the mountains, the rocks, the valleys, the hilltops. All the different things that God has done. And you say, why are you pointing this? Our God is a God of variety. And in order to sit there and we sit there and say, hey, it's all about one race or one color or man or woman or anything else, you diminish, you water down the greatness of our God because God is a God of variety. The uniqueness of our God. So how dare you sit there and tell the almighty God creator saying that you should have been anything other than what you see. You look over there and you say, well, I wish I had or I wish I was or whatever. And God says, you take your focus off of what I've given you. You are different on purpose. But also you are unique for his plan. God's purpose for men. I'm, I'm going to say this and I'll tell you what I could care less about being politically correct. Men were created to be men because God wanted you to be different than women. Women were created to be women because you were created to be different than women. Than, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> See, I could have never sang that song. I could have never done it. <laughs> and that, in this culture, they sit there and with the differences of men and women, we sit, sit there saying, talk about, I want to be like them or equal rights or equal this or equal that. And God says, man, a lot of times we're fighting so much to be like the other person. We're losing the uniqueness of who you are as men and women. There's a balance that God has given. There are things that women can do that men can't, vice versa. That's not bad. That's God. It's not watering down women. It's not watering down men. It's not doing all those things. It's a matter of God being so awesome. That he created things differently. Let me show you this. A lot of times that men and women or you or moms or whatever don't realize the uniqueness because you've not been placed in the hand of the master to show you what you were created to be. The roses could sit here and say, you know what? That is so much prettier and better than I am because I was born with thorns. 
I, I was born all the same color. I was wh whatever the case could be. You don't understand until you get in the presence of the one that created that breathes over you and says, let me tell you why you're so unique. Let me illustrate this like this. I'm going to show you something that's really weird. This is so weird that if you didn't know what it was, you would sit there and say, that's just weird. This is weird. <laughs> I, I, now, I, I know everybody's in here saying, well, no, that's not weird. That's a whisk. You, you, you don't think it's weird because you know why it was created. You know the purpose and the function of it. Do you guys know what's weird in this world that we have done? As people were born and they get disconnected from God and they sit there and say, I have no purpose. I can't do anything. I'm not good at anything. I wish I was something else because, they're, because they don't understand in the hands of the creator, the hands of the master, the hands of the cook, when you're placed in the master's hand, you can do great and mighty things that somebody else can't. I grabbed another weird thing out of the kitchen. Hope they're not back. They're doing something, right? Where's all our stuff? This is weird. These two things were made deliberately to be different. But amazing thing happens when all these tools come together to do things for God. Now, I'm going to say this. Some of you in here, this is you, Mom. This is you. You don't realize that you sit there and say, man, I wish, I wish, I wish. And God says, man, if you would realize who you are and what I created you to be, you would, you would flourish. You would be happy. You'd find satisfaction. You know what? You'd find identity. you say, I have purpose in this world. I know why I'm here. I know what I was created to do. Same thing with young people and teenagers. They sit there and say, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I was supposed to be a man or a woman. I don't know if I'm supposed to love a man or a woman. And all this confusion that comes in the world because they've not been touched by the master to know what they were created to be. But this is what happens. If you're sitting there constantly looking over here saying I was there, then you'll never embrace what you were created to be yourself. Last thing. Acknowledge your purpose in God. Embrace your uniqueness of you. Number three, follow the plan that he has for you. He says, I will praise you I am, before I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says this, okay? He stops right there and he just interjects this. He says, marvelous are thy works. Marvelous, wonderful, be surpassing, extraordinary, distinguishable are the actions or the works that not only who you are, but what he plans to do with you. You understand that God has a plan for our lives. Marvelous. Let me stop and clarify. A lot of times we sit there and say, well, I'm just not measuring up or I'm not this or that. I'm not saying that you can't be the very best roses that you can be or the very best daisies that you should be. You realize that every single one of us, the Bible talks about growing grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow, get stronger in who you are, but I'm talking about being stronger of who you are, not what you look at somebody else to be. The Bible has made it very clear. We can intertwine with each other to sharpen each other, but the sharpening is to say, hey, be the best rose that you should be or the best daisy you should be, but it's not a matter of saying, I wish I was the other, but acknowledging the fact that you can be the best that you can be. The word grow literally means to be strengthened, to nourish. You sit there and say, I'm not whatever. Maybe it's a matter of tapping into your potential of what God created you to be. Perfect example is Moses. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's home. 
rose, he was pulled out of the, you know, the, uh, uh, the river and raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was around all these people all the time that were distinguishable. And they had the words to say and they would be able to talk in a certain way. God calls him to save his people. Now listen to this. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Listen to what he's doing. He's telling God, I am not capable of doing what you've called me to do. I am not good enough. Moses was probably looking at all those people in Pharaoh's thing because he came from there saying, I know the people that are in there. I'm nothing like them. I am not eloquent. I am not good enough. Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow to speech and a slow tongue. He forgot who made him. He forgot his creator. He began to look at his qualities that was not good like somebody else rather than recognizing the God that called him. Now listen to this. And the Lord said unto him, I'll tell you what, you better get nervous when God responds, when you try to put God in his place. And the Lord said in him, who made man's mouth? Who made the dumb and the deaf and the seeing nor the blind? Have not I the Lord? Who gave you your kids? Who put you in that home? You say, I'm not this or I'm not that. God says, whoa, whoa, stop right there. Who set you up to do that? God said, you understand that I make no mistakes. I know you're not like so-and-so. I know you don't have this ability. I know you don't have that. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, I made you. And God doesn't make junk and God doesn't mess up. And God never set you up to do something that you cannot do. He turns around and he says, now therefore go and I will be thy mouth. I will be your wisdom, mom. I will be your strength. I will do through you what you cannot do yourself. I have the ability. I have the power. I will do wonderful works through you. I will be thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Fast forward to the New Testament. And if I was looking back at Moses, listen to this. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and in deeds. Someday you're going to look back on your life and say, I wasn't, oh, I can't, I can't. Until you come to the point of saying, God, I can't. But Lord, I, I'm not going to compare myself to everybody else. I'm not doing that anymore. I want to be the very best me that I can be. Because God, you know my inward parts. You know my fear. You know my doubts. You know all the things that cloud my thinking. Lord, you know my insecurities. You know how I slip up. I think of that as, as a pastor. I don't... I struggle, I am 42 years old and I still struggle reading. I've got a master's degree and I still struggle reading. I hate spelling and I hate grammar, okay? This is my public confession. And sometimes people look, I have a thought in my mind, say, why are you up there? Why are you talking? People are gonna go in there and just think you're an idiot and all this until you realize that God, I didn't call myself, God called me. I didn't put myself here. And this is the same thing with you, mom and dad and teens, whoever you're at. God does not mess up. Wonderful are his works. So why do so many people feel empty? Why are so many people searching? 
you say, I have no purpose because you're trying to be something around and you're trying to be that, you will be exhausted for the rest of your life because you are, find no rest in who you were meant to be, but you're striving to be something you were never meant to be. He says this at the close. I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. He says this. He says, you know what? When I finally looked up, and I realized what you were doing in my life and who I was meant to be and all the things you want to do in my life. He said, I finally came at rest in my soul. Thank you, God, for who I am. Thank you for what you've given me. Now help me to be the very, very best that I can be and that my soul knoweth it right well.